Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Katie Inahosa, author of the novel Hashtag Hunted Lives. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel, Hashtag Hunted Lives, how would you describe the novel? It's a thriller, and it's about um, people are being killed in different cities, in different states, uh, with different weapons. And the FBI is trying to figure out what's happening with it and what's going on. Is it multiple serial killers? Is it one? And um, it ties in social media and app games and kind of interweaves all of all of that together. And when they discover what's going on, um, obviously they have to try and figure out how to, how to catch the killer. Uh, the public, it, it, each murder is being broadcast on social media and the public loves it and wants more and they want to participate and which is just adding to the problems that they're having. And do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing the hunt, hashtag hunted lives? I actually, uh, my husband and I used to live in Myrtle Beach and we would drive to Texas to see our grandkids. And when we get in the car, we go until we're there. So it's like a 19 or 20 hour drive. <laughs> so we would have plenty of time to think things, think about things. And one of the things that I always enjoyed doing when with our older two grandsons is watching them play games. They love app games and they would play, you know, Minecraft and hunting games and stuff like that. And and that kind of started the idea for me, what would happen if uh, someone took a hunting game and made it real? And that's kind of what the story is about. That's great. Well, what was your writing journey that led you to writing your first novel? Well, I always have loved uh, writing creatively. In high school, I loved it. And throughout my life, and especially with the grandkids, I always do things with them clues for treasure hunts and stuff. Um, but I, in college, I actually took a logical track and I studied computers. And um, so I continued writing, but it was more of a technical nature. nature. I, I was, for most of my career, I was a quality assurance and business analyst uh, expert for websites. And that's how I tied in a lot of um, the, the technical aspect of the book into um, into the book. And, um, so I, I, once I stopped working, I, with that, those creative juices just kind of started flowing again. And my husband said, you know, you should, you should write a book because you enjoy creative writing. And, uh, and, and so I did. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's, it's been great. It's, it's, you know, it's been a huge learning curve in terms of, um, just the whole aspect of writing and then self-publishing. That's a whole nother avenue of learning. And it's been a great journey. Sure. So can you tell us a little bit about the learning curve in terms of the actual writing? Um, because, you know, obviously lots of people uh, read um, lots of novels and think about, oh, I'd like to write a novel one day. But I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, when they sit down to finally do it, realize like, wow, this is a little bit tougher than I realized. Can you tell us a little bit about your learning curve? It, it is. It, it, well, it can be. When I, my husband actually saw a group on for how to write a great novel class. 
<laughs> and he right. said, do this. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, what the heck? Because I, I can learn a lot more. You know, I mean, it covered everything from character development to theme to all the way to the other end to publishing and copyright copywriting. So it was a great learning experience. And as I went through that course, um, it helped um, define a few things for me. You know, I, I write, uh, I write a, a basic outline of a story and um, at the very beginning. Uh, so I kind of know the general direction at the start where I want the book to go, but it's a fluid outline. And as I go, as I'm writing, it changes all the time. So what I, the, the very first outline is very different from the, the ending uh, in terms of some specifics and stuff. But it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a process and it's constantly learning. I've been to numerous workshops and, and uh, you know, on, on uh, showing, not telling and, and, you know, the whole, the whole gamut of writing. And, um, and, it's, and it's also just in terms of each genre has its own format and formula. And, and so there's, I mean, there's just a wide spectrum and you, you just have to jump in and take it day by day and try and write every day. I'm not always good at writing every day, but it's important. Sure. And uh, so you, you talked about self-publishing. Did you actually, once you had finished your novel, did you actually work with an editor or hire an editor? I did. I, um, I, I ran through my own edits first, of course. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I hired through, through Reezy.com. I found a great editor and, and at the end I, I did, I mean, there's a variety of types of editing and I did a proofreading just to make sure, uh, you know, I crossed my, uh, T's and dotted my I's correctly and stuff. And she was great. And she, um, actually added a few show pointed out a few inconsistencies and stuff that I thought I'd wrapped up. So it, it definitely helped me having a professional editor editor's eyes on the book because she really um improved it and and i'm curious with with her feedback and the changes that you made based on her feedback will you take that knowledge into other novels that you write yes in fact i've i've written the sequel to hashtag hunted lives that just came out and i i noticed in the writing of it that a lot of the stuff she had pointed out i had taken care of in the second book already so you mentioned that you um, just published the sequel to Hashtag Hunted Lives. Are you working mm -hmm. on a third novel now? I, I've started the idea for it. Uh, it's actually, this this will be a trilogy. It's a Mahler, the Molly Hooper thriller series, I guess, three, three books. So I'm working on the idea for that. I haven't actually started um, writing the actual book yet. I'm still working on the outline. Gotcha. So given your experience of, of writing these two novels and, and um, self-publishing them, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? Well, let's see. First of all, read. Read other books. When I first started, um, I didn't, I didn't, I stopped, I kind of stopped reading. I thought, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to read someone and then write like them, you know, <laughs> and be, be accused of copying someone. You know? So, so I kind of stopped and someone said, no, that's just, you need to do the opposite because you can, um, glean a lot of knowledge, not to copy them, but just to help you with your own style. So certainly continuing to read is important and, and in your genre and even other genres. And, uh, it's important to continue learning about, um, 
and working on things like showing, not telling and, and theme and um, all aspects of the book. It's, uh, it, it, you, could, you can never, there's never too much to learn. You can always get different perspectives. If you can get other eyes on your book, um, if you have some beta readers or, I mean, my husband read, has read everything multiple times, of course, but, you know, he might be a little biased. <laughs> so I have a few other people who read it and, and give me some good feedback. And uh, so that's, I think, important too. And then you try and get into a routine. My, my problem, my problem actually with the second book was trying to juggle uh, writing the book plus working on marketing and keeping hashtag hunted lives out there. So I, there's a balancing act. And, and I found that if I stopped writing for, uh, you know, three or four days, when I got back into it, I'd have to spend the first 30 minutes to an hour to get into the mindset of the book. I'd have to go back and review where was I, what, what, where was I headed with this? So if you're writing every day, um, you can avoid some of that. Sure. Well, what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? I, uh, I love Janet Ivanovich and uh, the Stephanie Plum series. Um, the, um, I mean, I think she's a delightful writer. Um, I enjoy um, a bit of Catherine Coulter as well. And yeah, I have some friends who are um, writers as well. And so I've been reading some of their books. Um, I, I enjoy many different genres. And so I try and read a variety. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? I, I, they can go to my website, www.katieinahosa.com. Um, I'm, my bookers are being sold on Amazon. I'm also on Goodreads. Um, I'm on, I, I am on Instagram and Facebook. I have a Facebook page, uh, Katie Inahosa author. If there, any one of those will get, get folks to me. And I love to hear from people and uh, get their opinions and get their feedback. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Katie Inahosa author of the novel Hashtag Hunted Lives. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Katie, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time, Jeff. Great. Wonderful. Stay tuned as Katie Inahosa reads from her novel Hashtag Hunted Lives. Hashtag Hunted Lives, Chapter 1. New York City, Thursday, March 5th, 3.10 a.m. She cowered in the corner of the Stone Cottage Ladies' Restroom near the open-air Delacorte Theater in Central Park, crying and depleted by hunger, exhaustion, and fear. Her long blonde hair was matted and tangled. She wore only a dirty black I Love New York sweatshirt, no bra, baggy black exercise pants, and frayed red tennis shoes. A light snow blanketed the park in fairy tale beauty, making this run for her life all the more surreal. Shivering uncontrollably, her bones ached from the cold. Shallow breathing matched the pounding in her head and racing heartbeat. Terrified eyes, ringed black by fatigue, dominated an ashen face. Grabbing onto the wall for support and inching her way up, she limped to the sink. Hoping to steal some warmth from the water, she turned on the faucet and splashed her face. No luck. Gasping for air and teeth chattering, she wiped her eyes on the sleeve of the sweatshirt. Her nightmare began three days ago when she was abducted. 
she had popped over to the grocery store near her home in Newark, New Jersey, to buy a special treat for her older daughter, who was homesick with the flu. Returning to the parking lot, she noticed an older gentleman in his 60s leaning against a black, windowless van, gripping his chest, grimacing and wheezing. Alarmed, she rushed over to ask if he was all right. He shook his head. As she reached for her cell phone to dial 911, the van's sliding door opened and a large, muscular man grabbed her while the man outside shoved her in, slamming the door and disappearing as the van raced away. On the floor of the van, the man knelt on her legs, reached for a syringe on the console between the front and passenger seats, and plunged it into the base of her neck. That was the last thing she remembered. Awareness came slowly to her, a musty, stale smell bringing her fully awake. She was lying on her back on a lumpy sofa in, in her underclothes. Turning her head toward a squeaking sound, she shrieked and pushed herself into a sitting position as a rat scurried away. Groaning in pain, her fingers gingerly probed the area behind her ear. Feeling a sticky wetness, she pulled her hand back and observed with horror the blood staining her fingers. She raised her hand to her head again and touched what felt like stitches. The wound was about three fingers wide and blood was oozing out. What had happened? Looking cautiously around, she assessed her surroundings. The sofa was the single piece of furniture in the room, barely fitting. Standing up and stretching her arms out shoulder height, her fingers almost touched the walls on each side. There were no windows, and the only light was a thin beam of sunlight shining in from an opening at one end. She crept to the opening and peeked outside. Shock crossed her face, her mouth dropping open slightly. She was in a shipping container in a yard full of containers. Pushing the door wider for light, she turned back to the interior, noticing for the first time the filthy clothes lying next to a note and picture of her family on the floor. In disbelief and with a growing sense of panic, she had read the note, alternately staring at the picture of her family. Without wasting any time, she had dressed and fled. On the run now for 16 hours, could she make it another 56? She thought about her girls now, picturing their sweet smiles. She and her husband, Joe, had started their family later in life. At the age of 42, six short years ago, her precious Becky was born. Jamie followed three years later. They were her pride and joy, her life. Thinking of them gave her the impetus to keep going. She had to survive, for them. She took a drink of water from the faucet and closed her eyes filling her lungs with air to try to calm herself with the breathing exercises she had learned in yoga. It didn't work. It felt as though an elephant sat on her chest, every breath a struggle, the pressure immobilizing her. I can do this. I have to do this. I can survive 72 hours for my girls. Preparing to leave, she chanted this mantra over and over in her head, determination giving her focus and strength. She peered out the restroom door and skimmed the area, looking for movement, straining to hear any noise out of the ordinary. It was still and quiet. Time to make a move. Trembling, she stepped outside the restroom and over the black rail lining the pathway, then crept to the corner of the building. A bitter breeze hit her in the face as she looked around the corner. A few snow flurries were drifting down from the sky. Sunrise was still a few hours away, but she'd have more protection on West Drive where traffic was picking up. Not seeing anyone or hearing anything, she crouched low and tiptoed through the brush to the path that would take her to the street. Stepping over another black rail onto the path, she took a deep breath, then half limped and half ran toward the street. She didn't make it ten steps. The bolt slammed into her chest, 
a direct hit to her heart, the force of it sending her sprawling onto her back. She was dead before she hit the ground. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.